With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Don't you always want to be the best you can be? The Frankie Boyer Show. What is this? It's more than a lifestyle show. It's a show about living in today's world. I think something is happening. Frankie enthusiastically brings an amazing eclectic mix to the airwaves. You got that right. One of the reasons she's earned legions of loyal fans is very simple. When you listen to the Frankie Boyer Show, you just never know what's going to happen next. So listen for yourself. Here is Frankie Boyer. And I'm so excited to have you with us today. And joining me, our first guest right here on BizTalk Radio is is Janet Fauci. And Janet is the executive chair of the board of Deloitte U.S. She previously served as chair and CEO of Deloitte Consulting. And Janet is committed to purposeful leadership and recognizes that business can and should make a broader societal impact that matters. And she is also one of the co-authors of a new book. It's called Arrive and Thrive. If there's anyone that knows about leadership, Janet, my goodness, welcome to the program and your new book, Arrive and Thrive, Seven Impactful Practices for Women Navigating Leadership. How long did it take you to get to the position that you hold today? How many years? And tell us what the work was like and 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 give us the, the details of this because this is such a high-level position that you hold today. So, Frankie, first of all, thank you so much for having me. It is really a pleasure um, to be in this conversation with you today. Um, I love that you get right to the heart of the matter um, at how long I've been doing this. So I will um, this summer start my 31st year with Deloitte. Um, So to answer your question directly, um, I've had an incredible set of opportunities um, serving our clients um, and leading different parts of our organization. Um, and frankly, working in the broad community in around women's leadership, which have really helped inform me. But I'd be remiss if I didn't say, you know, the name of our book is Arrive and Thrive. And I do think um, women and leaders, myself included, continue a cycle of arriving and thriving. And I don't think that any of us are at a place where we can sort of, ta-da, we are here and we've arrived. Um, it is a, a sort of a continuous process of getting to do new things and new challenges, new opportunities, and pushing ourselves to continue to learn and be better and, and thrive. So your new book is dedicated, and, and the dedication is, we dedicate this book to all women and allies who are navigating their leadership journey. We obviously are at a time, a crossroads in our country, where this is not business as normal. People want to be able to thrive, Janet, but they also want to be compensated and they want to be able to have joy in their hearts and they want something that 
obviously has been negating a lot of people in this world, and that is balance. So that actually, you've just hit sort of at the heart of the matter about thriving. Women for way too long have been focused on um, how do you get there at the arrival part of, of, of what, you're, what you're accomplishing. And what we have really emphasized and have both from our experience sets as well as the incredible sets of leaders that we interviewed to participate in this book to talk about once you get there, how do you thrive? And a big part of thriving is absolutely knowing who you are, what makes you effective, what gives you energy. We call that investing in your best self. And that is not only intellectually investing in your best self, but making sure that you're focused on your health and your well-being. And then, of course, that of your teams as well. So it, it is, I think, so perfect for this moment as you articulated in your question, because it is not just about checking the box that you're there, but it is how can you have a happy and fulfilling and productive time once you're there. Well, the numbers are still inconsistent and slow. The number of female CEOs is still just 8.1% of the total, Janet. 8.1%. Why? It is. Why? Why? So I, that number continues to um, sort of make my stomach gulp um, as, as, it, as, it, as it does yours, I can tell. I think you have to look back and actually look at middle management um, in, in the corporate environment. Less than a quarter of mid-level managers are women. Less than a quarter. So think about that. We know that our undergraduate system and our education system is producing um, balance between men and women. Actually, in many, many programs, there are more women than men today. But by the time you get to the middle-level manager, um, it drops precipitously. And then, as you so well highlighted, by the time you get to CEO, even less so. We absolutely believe, um, and I believe, that the conversation we're ha- we've been having for years about diversity and then diversity and inclusion, that the real heart of the matter is actually equity. And that the system, the system is not equitable between men and women. You could also talk about that system as it relates to many other dimensions um, uh, of making sure that we have a diverse and inclusive workforce. But equity actually, um, I deeply believe, sort of sits at the heart of the matter. Our system today is not equitable. And that is everything from how we think about the roles that women play, and it especially highlighted um, in the pandemic in terms of the, the, the caregiving roles that women are expected to, to play and continue to play, to the investments in their own healthcare and childcare sitting as a central part of the conversation. And then something that we address significantly in our book, and I feel strongly about it, how are women positioned for success once they're there? But there's a lot, a lot of work we have to do in and around equity to help make sure that women are getting to those middle-level jobs so they can advance um, quickly and, um, and productively and happily um, to change the CEO conversation in a really meaningful way. Yes, absolutely. But the number of of CEOs on the Fortune 500 hit an all-time record 41, 
and for the first time, two black women are on the list. So that's really wonderful. But we absolutely celebrate and applaud that progress. You know, the mantra that I live by um, is we want to be the first, not the last. So I do believe that you know, we have a lot of work to do to make sure that we continue the positive flow, but positive trend, but clearly significant acceleration needed. What do you think it is today that this great resignation is happening? Why do you think it's happening? It's interesting. I, um, I think that though the pandemic has given us um, pause, I don't actually think in my heart of hearts that that the resignation is a symptom. Well, I think it is uh, been accelerated by the pandemic, but I believe that it's really a manifestation of workplaces broadly not giving their their workers and employees and especially women the things that they need. And we've touched on a couple of them already today. Certainly health care, paid leave, reliable child care flexibility um, and and the space to um, the space to as you put it so well in your question earlier um, sort of live the happy and productive and fulfilled lives women have towering expectations um, and I think that what we've seen over the last couple of years is just burnout and dissatisfaction accelerated by the pandemic but I do think the systemic issues um, in and around the things that women need to be um, productive and happy in their workplace is critical. We also tried very much in our book to focus on the importance of self-growth um, and resilience and authenticity, which I think are critical. Um, but I do think the underlying structural changes we've just started to talk about today are really, really important. We will continue this conversation in just a moment, and we will go to the legacy of, of how this book came about with the late Ellen Gabriel in just a moment. We're talking today, though, to someone who knows about leadership and knows about women in her own role, and we're so thrilled to have Janet with us because this is such an important book for anyone out there just joining us. It is called Arrive and Thrive, Seven Impactful Practices for Women Navigating Leadership. And one of the co-authors, Janet Fauti, is with us. We'll be back in just a moment. I'm Frankie Boyer. Stay tuned right here on BizTruck Radio. Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? 
Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chabacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chabacasino.com welcome to the family vdw group no purchase necessary void where prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus Welcome back. It is Frankie Boyer. What a conversation with Janet Fauti today, Executive Chair of the Board of Deloitte U.S., committed to purposeful leadership and advancing equity. And we are so thrilled to have you back with us, Janet. Janet, tell us about how this book came about and a little bit about your mentor, your late mentor. So Ellen Gabriel was a partner at Deloitte and was really a pioneering leader of our um, initiative, which at the time was called the Retention and Advancement of Women, which was very groundbreaking. I was um, a new hire right out of business school when she was starting this initiative on our behalf and really put Deloitte on the map in and around women's leadership in a really meaningful way. She died very tragically um, at a young age of breast cancer. And we started um, in her honor and Ellen Gabriel's um, chair at Simmons University in Boston. She'd been working with Simmons on women's leadership and we thought it was a perfect fitting um, honor to her legacy. So we have um, enabled a chair at Simmons um, for, for many years now. And my team and the Simmons team were talking about things we could continue to do together to change the conversation and this idea of, um, of a book of really practical advice for women came up. And um, we said it was a little bit of, a, um, a little bit of um, blind dating or an arranged marriage. Um, Simmons had a brand new president that was, who is just coming in, who is one of my incredible co-authors, Lynn Wooten. And of course, as you can imagine, we, we decided to have the, the, current, the current Ellen Gabriel Fellow um, as, as our co-author as well. And so, so Susan, the three of us. Yes, yeah, Susan Brady. Yes, exactly. Susan Brady. So Susan Lynn and I um, sort of joined forces during the pandemic to think about what we would want to talk to um, the next generation of women leaders about how why thriving matters and and how it's so important. So that's how it came to be, which it's really been a privilege to be influenced by Ellen um, and to continue her legacy in helping women 
um, advance and, and thrive when they are there. I love that. That's such a great story. Such a great story. So let's talk about the book because this book is really, it looks at, it highlights the recent research about challenges women face as they, as they rise to positions of responsibility. So the idea is we certainly started with the three of us, um, coalescing around what did we think mattered the most um, for women when they arrived, whether that is their first time um, as a leader of a team to, to leading big organizations. And we came up with seven impactful practices that are very intertwined um, with each other from investing in our best self, as we talked about earlier, um, to creating a healthy team environment, to maybe my favorite inspiring a bold vision. And so we all certainly had a broad set of experiences in around these practice. We interviewed some incredible CEOs, business leaders, um, and, 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 um, and, and leaders in government as well to get their perspectives. Um, and then we pulled on the research um, to help really underline what tools and approaches um, women could use. It's really think about a very practical way to think about how to tackle these seven practices um, that we all need to continue to evolve our sophistication in and around. So can we talk about the actual practices and what some of them are? Because I, I really, I think everyone can relate to them. So let me just pick on a couple. Um, let me start by talking about um, sort of the, the centerpiece, um, which is investing in your best self. And I will tell you, I learned so much from, from Susan about this, where I would say she's been much more sophisticated about this than I have. And the, the theme and the thread for women in particular is that when you invest in your best self, you're able to keep your not so constructive inner voices quiet. Um, so many of us have not so constructive inner voices, um, and certainly women in particular. And then the other big thread and theme here, and this is, I've learned so much about this, is time spent reflecting is not time wasted. So creating the space to know who you are, know what matters to you, and invest in yourself. And maybe the other one I will talk about um, is vision. And this one is really personal to me. When I was less tenured in my career or younger in my career, I had this idea that um, I was not someone who had vision because I thought that to have vision, it meant you were the person that woke up in the morning with the eureka moment, the, oh my goodness, here's a net new idea someone has, no one has ever thought about. And what we've really learned and I've come to appreciate is great visionaries are great listeners. They're great at connecting the dots. And then they're great at looking for the white space in all that and then helping paint the picture that inspires others to go on a journey with them. It is not necessarily the eureka moment. It is listening, it is connecting the dots, and it's painting the vision. And so those are a couple um, that, that are my favorites, so I love all of them, and they're all very intertwined as well. Um, and every time I talk about them, it always leads, leads directly to talking about others because they are so interconnected. What would you say if you could just give one sentence to a woman right now listening to this interview 
that really and truly is focused on making a difference and taking the next steps into a leadership role and stepping right into that leadership role, what would you say to them? I would say to them that you are not alone. And that sounds so simple and simplistic. We think of women leaders as solitary trailblazers, and sometimes that is true, but there are so many incredible women leaders out there. We are here to help you. Some of it is through this book and the ideas that we tried to write down and coalesce and collect, but know that we are here to help make each other successful and you are not, not, not in it alone. I love that. I love that. And I think that that's really important. And I also think that I was just talking with a group the other day and on a Zoom call, and it's about authenticity. It comes through, doesn't it? So that is certainly one of our practices. And um, I love that authenticity has become part of the conversation. Because when I started my career, let's just say we were far from talking about authenticity and this idea that authenticity is about what makes you unique, expressing the principles you believe in and encouraging to do others to do the same and being able to be your, your whole and true self and know that you'll be respected and valued for that um, sits, sits at the heart of the matter. Oh, absolutely. Janet, this has been so lovely. Thank you. Thank you uh, for, for spending time with us today. And for this book, Arrive and Thrive, Seven Impactful Practices for Women Navigating Leadership. And is there a website or someplace you would like to um, give out? If you Google Arrive and Thrive and Deloitte, you will see uh, lots of links and references. Frankie, I'm so grateful that you've created a platform to have such important conversations around leadership and in women and health and well-being. We're really grateful for all that you're doing as well. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Blessings. Thank you so much, Janet. And we will be back in just a moment. I'm Frankie Boyer. This is Biz Talk Radio. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.
Welcome back. It's Frankie Boyer. Spring is here. Although I think you need to tell um, the, uh, I think you need to tell the the weather gods in Boston because it's still freezing. But spring is really here, and it means that students and parents across the country are receiving the college acceptance letters. Yes, those letters, and they're agonizing over what they can or cannot afford. Joining us today, right here on the Frankie Boyer Show on BizTalk Radio, is Stuart Siegel. He's nationally recognized and respected financial aid specialist and founder of FAFS Assist, which, Stuart, welcome to the program. And tell us a little bit about FAFS Assist. Well, it's a FAFSA assist. It's, it's for the free application form. So it's an assist with the FAFSA. That's, that's how it goes. So, okay. Um, how did it get started? How did we get started with that? Um, yes, please. Financial aid. Yeah, well, we've been doing financial aid for about 25 years. And uh, when the forms went electronic, um, we started developing software to manage uh, a very large practice we had. Uh, a lot of folks, uh, financial advisors, college counselors, outsourced to us. And we started uh, licensing our software throughout the country. And over time, we decided, you know, people are charging an awful lot of money for these services. We can go direct to the, to the parents and give them a virtual uh, f- financial aid expert guru, if you will, uh, through Fast Assist. And that's what they get. So we decided uh, this is a, a way to cut out the middleman, if, if you will, because this is a complicated process, but you can do it uh, if you just get a little help and have a little patience, and we help you do that. We calm you down and so, get you through it. How much money is out there in financial aid estimate? Oh, well, there's billions with the government. I mean, I think it was almost $3 billion that went on claimed in Pell Grants. The colleges have billions and billions of dollars themselves. I mean, I don't think anybody really knows. Um, because the budgets change. But there is a ton of money out there, and most of it sits on the sidelines uh, that parents don't know about and how to get. So how do, how, why do we not know more about this, Stuart? About what, where the money is or how to yeah. get it? Or how sure. to get it. Yeah, how to get it. Well, if you Google financial aid, uh, you'll come up with about 13 billion websites. So there's... Uh, so much information, but it, there's a lot of bad information and or no information. It's just sorting through it. Um, high schools do the best they can. Um, colleges, they're a business. They'll help you to the best they can, but they can't serve two masters. So, you know, they're not going to tell you the best ways to get their money. Um, they will help you to a degree, but not to the extent that you would hope they would. Um, most of the uh, media out there comes to filing, you know, they start talking about filing the FAFSA now versus in September, uh, which is when that's when you start that, you know, completing that process. So right. October. Right. Um, so, so by the time somebody gets to, you know, go into this thing, they, they don't have any information on it. So I think this is incredibly timely uh, and I'm, I'm grateful for the opportunity to, uh, help parents with what they have to do right now. This is so good. Yeah, this is so good. You started this because you missed out on getting thousands of dollars for your first child. And now 25 years later, you're helping other parents. 
And you say the first thing, five mistakes that parents make regarding college age. Go ahead and, and tell us what they are. Well, the first thing is at this time of the year, as you mentioned at the beginning of this segment, students are getting their acceptance letters. Parents are you know, trying to figure out you know, how they're going to pay for it. Uh, and uh, the good news is that there are some practical things that parents can do to get the most free money in what's known as tuition discounts. And the first thing I would say to a parent, and I do, <laughs> um, is don't panic. You know, there are a lot of things you can do to get more free money and, uh, in turn, incur less debt. Uh, the second thing is when you get those letters, and now I'm sure just about everybody has almost all of them, uh, being the 29th, uh, is don't respond right away. Get them all together. Look at them on a the table. Put them in a spreadsheet, whatever you have to do, and learn how to evaluate to see if they're fair, and then uh, see if and where, you know, how you can negotiate on that. Um, and, and you have to know the difference between a merit scholarship and need-based grants. And I could expand on that a little bit if you'd like. Yeah, yeah. So the first thing that parents may not know is that there is this money out there. And, you know, what if they're saying, well, my student my student and my kid isn't that great a student, so therefore maybe there isn't this money. But tell us, is this money available for everyone? Or do you have to have a specialty or excel in some area? Well, it kind of begins with the college list in the beginning, and that's a little bit more time than, but, than we have at the moment. But I will say this. Different colleges treat different students different ways. I mean, there's colleges that, you know, everybody loves the A-plus students, but there's tons of uh, colleges that love B students. And a lot of the private regional schools um, are negotiating. They don't like to use that word, uh, but they'll entertain a request for help. And, you know, negotiate is uh, kind of a strong word. People, you know, the financial aid offices, they don't want to be compared to used car dealerships and things like that. Uh, and some schools will tell you they don't negotiate, but that's just not true. And if you listen to them, if you believe them, you stand to lose out on a lot of money uh, if you do. So the thing to do is know how your student stands with that school. And also, if you're looking at a college that costs, say, $60,000, and uh, another school costs fifty, yet uh, the fifty-one is, is you know get better aid, and it's going to be less, or vice versa. Talk to the school and ask them for help. You know, it's it's a it's very um, simple process. Most people seem to be very intimidated by it. Um, so uh, go to the school, ask for help, and if you don't, you know, succeed in your first attempt, don't be afraid to go back and be even more assertive and restate your request because colleges are businesses after all, and they're looking for customers. And right now, uh, you know, college is a, is a consumer product. I hate to distill it down to that, but they have over the past seven or eight years, they've lost a million students and they're going to lose even more as a result of the great grand recession or great recession. So they're very happy to hear from you right now. Oh, I bet they are. I bet they are. Yes, yes. Um, so you're saying that you can help parents negotiate with the schools? Well, here's what, when it comes to negotiating, and here's what, here's what nobody knows. The student is the one who should communicate with the schools. And this is, this is really key. Um, you know. So wait a minute, Stuart. You're saying, you're saying 
as much as the parents want to get involved, uh uh-uh, let the kid do it. Let the kid do it. (laughs) Let the student do it. Yeah, right. Because they're the ones asking, if they're the ones asking for help, I mean, it's their school, it's their application, it's, it's their future. And, uh, and they have the best chance of getting additional money. The parents, um, you know, do not really, uh, you know, have a, have a great deal of say in this. They have more to say if it's an actual financial aid appeal, and that's based on a financial need. That's a different story. I can touch on that shortly. But really, if the students go in and, and they send an email and um, I'll lay it out for you, they ask for help, see what the college does. If they say, uh, well, show us some other offers, great. Um, I had a student uh, last year who uh, had uh, no aid at all, nothing. And we made a request, uh, help them do that, send the email. They sent it back a form. They just basically wrote the same thing on the email that they sent the email. School came back with $20,000 scholarship per year. Wow. $80,000 over four years just because they opened up their mouth. Just, you know, they, they raised their hand and asked. That's, that's basically what that meant. So If you don't ask, you don't ever get. Yep, absolutely. Right. And, and you've got nothing to lose, you know, and... And, 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 you know, parents have to understand they're not alone. I mean, there are a lot of resources out there, including FAFSA Assist, but there's parent groups, some Facebook groups, lots of online forums where, where they can get some support. Um, you know, there, there's just so many opportunities to do this and save yourself, even if it's – and I'll give you another example. Let's say just say you want to wait a couple more weeks. May 1st is National Decision Day. So parents, students do not have to decide. They have a whole month. Marketing people in the admissions offices, jobs depend on getting people to send in their deposit checks. The closer they get to May 1st, and they're not getting what they call making their class, filling oh, they're you know, going the to be, yep. We are out of time, but they will be getting, they will want to do more negotiating. Absolutely. Give us the best website, how people can find out more about your program and about you, Stuart Siegel. Yeah, fafsaassist.com. That's F-A-F-S-A, like the word FAFSA. Most parents know it. Drop the uh, second A and and assist. Fafsaassist.com. Wonderful. Thank you so much for shedding all this great information. We'll be back in just a moment. I'm Frankie Boyer. You're listening to us on BizTalk Radio. Welcome back. It is Frankie Boyer. Well, I have to say, BizTalk Radio, I have to say that this whole thing from the Academy Awards still goes on and on and on. The latest is that Will Smith finally apologized publicly to Chris Rock. I don't know if they are going to have a, a meeting, if there's going to be a follow-up. I, I don't know, but maybe our, our next guest, We'll have some insights about that. Ryan McCormick, co-founder and media relations specialist of Goldman McCormick, PR, former CBS TV producer, editor, 
and we are so thrilled he's with us. Welcome back, as always. So the slap heard round the world. Um, how is this going? I Chris Rock, his his show in Boston that is tonight was a sellout. The minute the minute this happened, guess what? The remaining tickets left on his his for his show were sold out by the end of the night. By the end of Sunday night, the show was sold out. Yeah, this is going to be great for him. I mean, he's the, he's the clear winner in this whole thing, without a doubt. Well, you know, he he, yeah. he, he is actually. a – I thought he didn't uh, – first of all, I thought the joke was a bad joke. And it was not okay. very funny. And it was not – I'm sorry. I And I like Chris Rock. He is a very funny guy. But that was not a funny joke. And – one would think that she's been so open about her struggle with her hair loss and alopecia that he would have known that because he actually did a documentary about hair years ago. Remember that, Chris Rock? So he should have known better than to deal with someone's head and scat bald, bald head. Yeah. But at this point, I mean, like, frankly, before I ever got into it, when I was doing a PR, I used to do PR for comedians and comedy clubs. And I would see comedians go on stage, and I would see them uh, up. Some people would get upset, and whenever someone got upset and they were young at the comedian, they got booed. And that person, if, if someone got forbid everyone ever, ever rushed onto a stage, was I saw a few times, they would be escorted out by security. And it's just you know the fact that you know Chris Rock, so he made a bad joke. Not all jokes are going to be are going to be hit. Right, they're going to be out there. No, 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 it, 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 it was not. It was inappropriate and very immature of Will Smith to do what he did. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, obviously, he's doing much for his career, that's people are always going to remember him for this. It doesn't matter all the things he accomplished. I mean, do you think they'll take away his Academy Award? Do you think when they do the review of this incident, can they take away? I heard Whoopi Goldberg and a few others, uh, members of the Academy, uh, the board said absolutely he would not lose his Academy Award over this. Okay. And I don't think he should. I. Uh, I don't know. I mean, he's a guy. They had these strict guidelines that said you, you can't go over and assault someone. And he assaulted someone on national TV, and I think, you know, that was a lack of self-control. I mean, let's just be real. And it is in America, especially in the industry, certain industries are very hypocritical. Uh, if if Will Smith was different, if he was different nature, they they probably would have taken away his Oscar in a heartbeat. Yeah. And so I, I don't know what's going to happen. All I know is that you know Hollywood. For the first time in many decades, I think people are talking about the Oscars the next day. They haven't done it before. You may have some people tuning in next year to see what will happen. But, you know, I don't think people really care about the Oscars. And, you know, they should have made – and uh, the Oscars, this is one of the things they're really not talking about, is that they made a, had a major, major disrespect to Bob Saget, who died this year. No mention of him whatsoever. So, quite frankly – That was know, so bizarre. Will Smith. Yeah. Yeah. That was, Will Smith, you know, this is, is probably peaking some ears up. But I don't think I think Hollywood and for the Oscars are on the decline. Last year, they had about 10 million people that watched the Oscar. That is an industry that is on its way out. I don't think people care about it because the the what's happening in real life is way more fascinating than with what they could be putting on a screen. I mean, we are living in the apocalypse right now. There's nothing more interesting, I think, than yeah, you're out. So okay, so let me ask you, Chris Rock, well. Probably never never be asked to come back to the Academy Awards, nor do I think he would ever accept going back really to the Academy so. Awards. 
You don't no, think so? I, why not? I, I can see him absolutely coming back. I mean, they owe him an apology. He could have walked off. He could have left that. He could have fought back. He could have pressed charges. He could have filed a grievance. He could have decided that, you know, you did not require security. I thought he handled himself well. And because of that, oh, I thought he I, handled I himself extremely well. No, I, I think he handled himself extremely well. Um, the, the whole incident, though, and do you think this is really going to affect Will Smith's career in another year? I don't Two know. years? I mean, if they, right now, there are certain celebrities that have a history where there's drug use, where they're not reliable, where they have a lot of negative things going on, where they've committed sexual harassment. I think if Will Smith had had a history of sexual harassment, he's had a history of violence, he's had a history of doing other things that would make people fearful of working with him, and they'd be one thing that seems like there's an isolated incident. I mean, he happened to lose control on the biggest stage at like the, 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 the worst time he could, he could have done it. I don't think it's going to affect him. I don't think that people are ever going to look at him the same at all. I don't think he'll, I think his, whatever image he had out there has been forever tarnished because no one's going to associate his name with anything he's done except for this. This will be the first thing that people associate with. I don't know about that. I, I, I think we have a very forgiving, I think we have a very forgiving country. And I think that people. For one second. I don't think that people are forgiving at at all. I think (laughs) it is a vicious, okay, vicious nation, and you used to be able to apologize and people would forgive you. Now the best thing to do is just deny it and just hope people forget it when the next controversy rolls around. I'm sorry to be so cynical, but yeah, I just think that Will Smith has accomplished a lot in his career. Yeah. He was a rap, one of the first rappers out there. I mean, he has a lot of firsts behind his his name, and I think that I think he will find a way to come to grips with this and publicly make it. He, I think he's going to make lemonade out of this. I don't know how, and I don't know why, and I'm just telling you that I think he will make lemonade. I think he will twist this around. I think he may do some good segments. Anyway, we're out of time, but it was fun chatting with you about it. Honored to be with you as always. And yeah, we'll see what As always. As always. What his fate is. Thank you so much, Goldman McCormick, Public Relations. Thanks so much, Ryan McCormick. And thank all of you. This has been another edition of the Frankie Boyer Show for BizTalk Radio. Thanks for listening. Make it a great day, everybody. And as always... Smile! And if you smile through your fears and sorrow, smile. And maybe tomorrow you'll see that life is still worthwhile if you just smile. Smile!